Moyon, Moyon. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, I am Eugene McFadden, and in the slot they've given me, uh, this is pretty much going to be as ever amateur hour because when is it ever not amateur hour with us here um team autism for the win um today i am again talking to katrina lowry aka at neuro teacher on twitter this is very much a continuation this is teachers talk radio and told you it's amateur hour live tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation download the podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Oh, I've heard there's a bit of an echo. How's that now gone? I'll turn this down. Hopefully that will work a bit better. Um, so, where was we? Yes, this is uh, me again talking to Katrina Lowry, aka NeuroTeacher on Twitter. This is a continuation from last month's show um, because we're basically getting to the good bits the interesting bits, and we ran out of time. Although, you know, spoilers, there were loads of other interesting bits, loads of other good bits, but we're just about getting to, like, EHCPs, and then it was time over. So, oddly enough, today, we're looking at EHCPs. What are they? What does that word EHCP mean? What is a Section F? What is a Section A, for that matter? Um, so, Katrina's not here yet, although she has reliably told me that she will be here. So that is fine. So I thought I might start this little bit here talking to you about what EHCPs actually are. For those of you not in the know or those of you who are not well versed in the dark of arts of SDN support. And God knows there are some very complicated things around SDN support. So an EHC is uh, Education, Health and Care. And it should be, it should be called, everyone calls them EHCPs, but it really should be called an EHC plan an educational health and care plan. This is, theoretically, a legal document that outlines across a range of sections the needs of a child um, and also what support should be put in place for that child. That is how it works. There's section A, section B, section C, section D, E, F, G, H, and I. H has got like an A and a B section as well, but we will get to that. Ooh, Katrina is in the studio. Uh, if she goes, ah, invite. You sent your invite. Hello, can you hear me? Hello, She's can you hear now. me? I can hear you. Hello, you sound you very clear. Yay! I can hear you. Yay! Brilliant. Excellent. So do you. you. That's fantastic. Yes, nothing's fallen apart yet. And look, someone called HB underscore history has given us two thumbs up. Yay! Yay, marvellous. <laughs> Thank Fantastic. you, HP underscore history. Ooh, admin person, apparently, oh. with, yeah, 6,899 hearts. Wow. That's a lot of hearts. A lot of hearts. I've got, I think, no hearts, but there we go. Um, <laughs> so um, we were just last talking about, well, being neurologically different as a teacher. And mm -hmm. towards the end, we got onto EHCPs, didn't we? We did, yeah. We did have a little chat about those, didn't we? In our, yeah, in a kind of yeah. roundabout, circular kind of way of talking about random things and eventually kind of looping back, eventually, <laughs> to the point. Yeah. Um, so, to, and we, I thought we were quite good, and we both thought we were quite good to talk about EHCPs in detail. Um, 
and I got a, bit, a fair bit of feedback from other people going, ooh, EHPs, that sounds quite interesting. So here we are. Um, Katrina, why do you know about EHPs? Oh, she's gone. There she is. Katrina, are you there? She's gone. Hello, can you hear Detected. me? I can hear you now. Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Yep, Sorry, my, my daughter rang me. <laughs> oh, that is very nice of her. I know. It's really lovely, isn't it? Just her timing's impeccable. I have told her very strongly that I would be going to be on the radio from five o'clock. So ring me before five, please. Anyway, um, right. EHCPs. That's what we were talking about, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, so what has been your involvement with EHCPs? Uh, many and varied insofar as I am an experienced special needs coordinator, much like yourself. Yeah. So I've done it from the kind of applying from a school's perspective type of thing. Um, I then worked for nearly five years for Gloucestershire um, as an advisory teacher. So we had the really fun task of doing the transformations from statements to EHCPs. Oh, I remember that. I remember that period of time. Oh, man, um, what a day. Well, those were days, weren't they? Oh, my God. Yeah, they were. That, that was, was like really, that, that was really horrific. But yeah, so when I was, obviously, it varies from county to county in England, and it's quite different in Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. But the kind of process for it in Gloucestershire was that in order uh, for the EHCP to go forward, you have to have an assessment from an advisory teacher. And then the advisory teacher had to do a write up report. And then, you know, make recommendations in terms of um, the outcomes. Yeah. And at that particular glorious time, when I first started working for the advisory teacher service, we were not only doing all the new applications, but we also had to do all these lovely transformations as well. And every single one of them had to be seen and written reports for. So I think it's safe to say I've been involved in the HCP process in quite some depth for a number of years. And I still do, I still do work with schools. You know, I attend annual reviews with students that I work with. Um, I have to write reports that are going to sort of feed into the HCP process. So yeah, I've done a lot with them. Yeah. And they are, they are complicated pieces of, um, well, piece of paper. Um, although I tend to keep mine um, saved as PDFs. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm, it's interesting you say Gloucester had a kind of, had advisory teachers, um, mm. doing their kind of write-ups and reports yes. because Cornwall just was like, yeah, here's a new paperwork. There's a statement, do a review and transfer it across. Go for mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, any training for that? No. Okay. <laughs> no, we didn't, we didn't really have training either, but it was just like, I think Gloucestershire is probably one of the few counties in England that still has advisory teachers. I mean, they've got rid of them in most places, haven't they? Yeah, I think um, Cornwall still got like the advisory for like vision support and that kind of thing. They are advisory teachers. Mm. Um, and I think Hertfordshire may still have a reasonably small but strong um, English advisory team. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think Birmingham has advisory teachers for it was communication interaction team that I was in and they have quite a strong communication interaction team in Birmingham but other than that I'm not really I'm not really sure how many counties still have them but yeah so we were given that pleasure of doing all the transformations but I mean yeah. they, were, they were very fair about it I mean they only gave us one year group to do at a time which 
Yeah, but how many kids is that across a year? Oh, it's thousands, thousands yeah. and thousands and thousands. And there were fifth, there were fifty of us, I think, in the total team. And that wasn't just teachers; that was like Ed Sykes and everybody. And they divided the work up between us. But it was just like I remember, like just before Christmas in 2016, I had the year fives to do, and for some reason, that was the biggest year group that I had in my particular allocation. And honestly, the amount of reports I had to write, like. I had barely any time to do anything else. It was just such a horrific workload. Oh um, yeah, I, I can just imagine it. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, those were days. I tell you. Oh, so should we talk about how you apply for an EHC first, mm -hmm. or should we talk about? I mean, because that's a whole different, like that's like a, that's a minefield. Yeah. Or should we talk about what they actually are first? I think um, maybe if we talk about what they actually are and then apply, then do like the application process. Yeah, because that'll be a, a whole different, like probably, probably there'll be some emotions. I mean, even now, just thinking about applying for them, because um, oh I've, yeah, I've applied for many. Mm. And even now, just thinking about it, I can just feel my blood pressure rising um, for sort of reasons. So um, what is an EHCP? An EHCP is a legal document that outlines the needs of a child, the special education needs of a child, mm -hmm. uh, and other needs, um, and also the provision that must be put in place to support that child. Uh, and it, and it, you could, a child can have an EHC up to the age of 25, mm -hmm. unlike the old school statements, which ran to 18, I think, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's right, that's, isn't it? That is right, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you go to university, though, your EHC ceases. Mm -hmm. But you could still have an EHC in, like, if you are uh, in a post-16 provision mm -hmm. up to age 25. So, um, and then we have a range of different sections of it. So the first section is section A, oddly enough, and that is the views and aspirations of the child and the parents or young person, um, and the parents or the young person. And that'd be like the detail, aspirations, their goals, uh, what they want to do, their future plans, etc. which, fine. Section B is, the needs of a child, the child's special educational needs. This is, and this is where it gets a bit tricky, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, because, and then so, so sometimes a child will have a primary need with additional needs. Sometimes it's difficult to get a child an EHC because mm -hmm. their actual specific need hasn't been documented or detailed by you know, an educated psychologist or whatever. Mm -hmm. and then a, that bit is a minefield, isn't it? That bit really is a minefield. Mm. I have seen an uptake, an uptick, an uptake in um, parents feeling forced to get private ASD diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Massively. Um, which don't know, I don't, I don't feel particularly good about that. But. No, well, I think it's a bit like, you know, Actually, being a neurodivergent person and having a diagnosis is a privilege, sadly. Yes. You know, like I wouldn't have got like, so I was diagnosed as dyslexia, as I said before, like when I was nine years old, and I was privately diagnosed because my parents are psychiatrists. So they're, you know, relatively well off. And also they knew people. So yeah. they knew people who could find someone who could do a proper assessment with me and write a proper report um so you know so i got that diagnosis even though it was the 80s um i got that diagnosis but you can't really get a dyslexia diagnosis anymore it's pretty much impossible isn't it 
It is, unless you pay. Again, you're going to have to pay privately, aren't you? Yeah, you're going to have to pay um, privately. And the same thing with, with autism. Like, so um, the various counties, I think I'm working with like 11 or 12 different counties in England at the moment in various capacities. And um, on average, it's about two to three years to get an autism diagnosis. Yep. But there is one county that I work with where it's six years. Whoa. Yeah. Can you name and shame? I'd rather not. Okay, that's they're, fine. They're, they're in a bit of trouble. Um, okay. I think, to be fair, I think many counties are in more than a bit of trouble. Mm. Um, and I feel, in some ways, I feel bad. I feel sorry for them because it's a funding issue. Oh, massively, yeah. And that's not their fault. Um, but then that doesn't stop me being really irritated and angry about the whole thing. But. No, it, it's wrong. It shouldn't be the case. But do you know what? Like, I mean, obviously, I was quite involved in the uh, the diagnostic process when I was an advisory teacher because, you know, we stuck quite rigidly to the nice guidelines in Gloucestershire, which was one of the good things about it. So we had mm. the, these pathways, you know, for preschool and for primary, and the advisory teachers had to be part of that process, which is in the nice guidelines. It does say specialist teacher amongst that. So we would be part of the assessment and the ADOS process. And even if the wheels were turning perfectly and all the professionals were lined up in a row with perfect diaries kind of coordinated, it would still that... take at least six to nine months to get a diagnosis yeah. of autism. Yeah. One day it'll change, hopefully. I hope so. I really do. I mean, there's a lot of innovation around, you know, like, I don't know, do you know the Do It Profiler? No, what's that? So um, Professor Amanda Kirby, she's in the University of South Wales. Um, she's invented this, it's a screener effectively, but it screens across neurodiversity. So it basically gives you a, a kind of a profile of need for the individual. So for, it can be for children or adults for that matter. And it gives you a profile of need and then gives you kind of like a, a, a set of uh, instructions, kind of recommendations about what you could do in order to support that child. And it, it's actually a really good piece of evidence because, you know, strictly speaking, as we know, EHCPs are supposed to meet the need, aren't they? It doesn't matter whether yes. someone has a diagnosis, you can have an EHCP, but you try proving that to the LA. Yes. Um, yeah, although I have had a few successes by going, that's clearly an SUMH need right there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got more with that hurdle and then we've also got one to the ASD pathway. Um, that's amazing. Which um, I have become increasingly become a bit of a street fighter at this whole thing, which it shouldn't be that way. No. But yeah. So, so that's section B, the special the child's special educational needs. Mm -hmm. um, and so re when you actually look at the application process for an EHC, mm -hmm. it actually does say, when you actually look at the, the word in, in the CAFA, which is mm -hmm. Children and Families Act 2014. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell I quote this 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 kind of thing to county occasionally? All the time. I do it all the time as well. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Section 66.8. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Um, but it's really important you do that because then, then, so then they important. know mm -hmm. you know what you're talking about and you mean business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you um, need to know that. As a Sanko or anyone who's involved in this or even as a parent who's doing this, you need to know that legislation inside out. I have it saved to my phone so I can quote it in meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have bits of it memorized. Yeah, I, I have bits of it. I have like a memory palace in my head, which I've had 
since I was like 14. I'm not copying Sherlock Holmes. I've just mm. I've always had one since I read about him in the book. Um, and I've got on my desk in my memory palace, you know, I've got the relevant sections. Kind of, so, yeah. So, yeah, so that's section B, the child or young person's special educational needs, and it covers all, and all their needs should be written in that section, theoretically. Um, by the way, you all probably, th you know, those of you not involved in the SEA game are probably thinking, oh, this is a kind of standardised form. There no. is no standardised form. No, no. Every county does it differently. Yes. And also, just to be really fun, whatever county you're in, will change the format fairly regularly, about three or four times a year. Isn't it? We're not that bad in Cornwall, but yeah, they do change it a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Gloucestershire used to do it about three or four times a year. So it'll be things as annoying as what was portrait is now landscape and what was landscape is now portrait. Oh, God, I remember they did they tried oh, to do God. randomly Cornwall tried doing that for like for a three month period. They did it and then they flipped back again because I think everyone's just like, no, oh, it's no. just like, and you know, and you know, the amount of flappy bits of paper you have to have in those meetings as well. It's just so irritating. Oh. Yeah, they, they change the format as well. And then obviously, like I said, I'm working with about 11 or 12 counties at the moment and every single one lays them out differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause it, so, yeah. So EHE, great idea in principle. In application, though, hasn't quite worked in that mm -hmm. everyone's got a slightly different format mm -hmm. um, and lays things out differently and transferring a child so a child might come down to my place from like say warwickshire or whatever mm -hmm. with a certain form of to ehc mm -hmm. and it's like transferring it to oh it's just oh, oh my god it's awful and then they'll only provide it to you in a pdf as well and then you've got to retype yes. the whole thing and yeah i'm dyslexic anyway and that sort of stuff makes me want to cry <laughs> oh i've got very good i've got very good at the whole oh i can i cannot recommend enough for you um adobe scan there's an adobe scan app i've got on my phone yeah, so that, another advert. That. Yeah, yeah and it, it takes a picture and it finds a text for you and converts it to like. Oh, that's just copy and paste good. it. Oh yeah, I totally. I need that in my life actually. Yeah, it is. Um, what's it? Yeah, it's, it saved me so much hassle. Um, it's called yeah Adobe Scam. Just an app right. on my phone. I've just literally there we go. I've got it. I've literally just looked it up now, so I've got it bookmarked now. Boom. Thank you. It. That's gonna that be okay. Another. Easier. No, it, oh, seriously, it does. I had like I had some stuff in that came to me like uh, actually not even in, in a PDF, just just like literally paper, and mm. it just scanned it, lifted up the text for me. It's great. Um, anyway, sorry, that's a whole side side track. Section B is the needs, and there are four broad areas of needs as outlined in the SEN code of practice. So that's communication, interaction, cognition, learning social emotional and mental health difficulties and sensory and stroke or physical needs mm -hmm. and theoretically well not theoretically in actuality all sen needs special educational needs needs that's a tautology all sen should fits within one of those four mm -hmm. um at this point for anyone listening maybe you're thinking hey where does asd sit on that one and the yeah. answer is communication interaction apparently mm -hmm. whereas adhd is scmh hmm. yeah although in some counties it's cnl is it yeah huh. interesting yeah. so i think but you, you could argue that asd fits in all it fits in all four actually it does, <laughs> yeah. yeah it does yeah 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 so but anyway so theoretically it's your building that those four things so that's section b all right, section C. 
oh, if section B was a bit kind of like, um, okay, section C is like healthcare needs. So when you're applying for an EHC, county should be like contacting NHS, finding stuff out. There is a duty to for that to happen. Um, does that happen? No, no, no. 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 It's it's called an education health and care plan. And do you know what, right? I was so optimistic when they brought this in. I was just like, oh my God, that's just what we need. It sounds brilliant. You know, I really love the sound of it. I was really optimistic about it. But honestly, right, it's education, health and care plan. Honestly, it's an education, education and education plan, isn't it? Yes. I have had, honestly, well, I've had conversations with cat my county people and they've gone, and I've gone, this child's got medical needs impacting their, their schooling. They're like, yeah, but you can't get an in education, health, and care plan for medical needs, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's what? Mm-hmm. It's an educational health and care plan, yeah. Um, and which the the statement was, well, it's about how it impacts their education. Fine, they're too sick to come to school. There you go. Yeah. Oh my God. So many times yep. I've had that conversation with people. It's so frustrating, and like, uh, you know, like I said, because of the work that I've done, particularly like over the last 10 years, I attend a lot of annual reviews, you know, I mean, it's not so much now, it's maybe like one or two a month. But like when I was a, an advisory teacher, I might be lucky enough to go to one a week sometimes. Yeah. And like the amount of times I've actually seen someone from health at an EHCP meet, um, annual review. Very, very rare, indeed, unless it's like a small child who was under a health visitor then a health visitor may come but maybe but and then you'll you'll only see social care if it's really like you know extreme social care needs yes i mean social care is my next bugbear mm-hmm. um oh um fashion teacher heinick has said why is the ehp in the kind of the chat box by the way mm-hmm. why is uh why is it not in a digital format with a nationally agreed parts like a ctf for ehp well, wouldn't that why? be lovely that yeah. would why? Why? Why is it not a na- nationally agreed way of applying? Why? Oh my god! Ah, because it is a good idea, purely but poorly implemented. Yeah. Not less than anything else. Like most things um, in education, unfortunately. I mean, it's a brilliant idea, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And like yeah. I said, I was so optimistic about it, but like there should be one format. It should be transferable from county to county. But it's not even transferable from borough to borough. You get kids who are in two different boroughs in London. Right, and they'll still have completely different formats. That's mental. They're in London, you know. They're oh. like, you know, they're like, you know, ten miles apart, five miles apart, something like that. Could because they could be like a mile apart. Yeah, they um, could even be. They could le- literally be. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's mental. Anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, so there is a health element to an educational health and care plan, um, and theoretically, when you're reviewing a plan someone's from health should turn up if there is a health need mm-hmm. and i have had the school school nurse team turn up occasionally um i have even managed occasionally once to get a cams person to turn up wow i know how did you do that oh uh, i just literally um i basically i had one I had my long-suffering admin um hi nicole um if you're listening um oh one of my, I think one of my HLTAs is, is listening. Uh, she knows who Nicole is, and she's probably at this point going, "Yeah, poor Nicole." Um, basically, spend an awful lot of time liaising with the cat, the CAMS person's uh, PA, 
to just like find a time and date. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot of like shifting rocks and other things. But we got there. Yeah, I think, yeah, you've got to be like rigorous, ruthless, relentless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I didn't, I didn't ever have a. Um, an admin person as a Sanko and I certainly like we had you know when the when we were the um, advisory teacher service we had like one admin between the entire team so wow. you know we've never yeah I know and there, was, there were loads of us there was like 20, 20 25 of us across the whole county something like that wow um but yeah it, it, you yeah I mean like I said I think I've seen a few health visitors and like one time uh, you know if I've got if you've got kids who've got um like so Obviously, there's quite a strong sort of um, co-occurrence between certain kinds of hearing impairment and um, autism. Mm-hmm. So then you would get somebody, but they would be there only for the hearing impairment side of things, not the autism side of things. So, but that that I think you know, in all of my years, it's been very, very rare that I've seen someone from health. Um, so section D is social care. Mm-hmm. Social care needs which relate to their special education needs disability. Now, social care is also very rare mm-hmm. unless the wheels have fallen off. Absolutely. Um, and even then, even then. Um, although at the same time, I do appreciate that, you know, those working in social care have had numerous funding cuts. They're under incredible pressure. They're dealing with really, really, really high need stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that. Um, it just does irritate me every so often when a child without an EHCP, but you know, with with special needs, with an IEP, say, mm. a social worker will, will will ring me up and go, "Can they get an EHCP?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have we got an EHCP? Oh my god. Um, well, there's a whole different conversation around like, at what point do you need an EHCP? Um, we should definitely get to that one, I think. Oh, yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. But first of all, we've got the wonderful Section E and Section F. Ooh, uh, oh, Nick's... God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. This is, this is a hard bit. Mm. Oh, Nick's chipped in again. He says, with a national f- format, the process could be standardised and quality of applications moderated. That yes. would be living the dream. Yeah, it would. You know, uh, you know, moderated would be good as well because there are a lot of like, I mean, okay, um, Gloucestershire won't mind me saying this, but they got absolutely hauled over the coals for the quality. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, like maybe like I was just before lockdown, it was like maybe 2019, something like that. Absolutely hauled over the coals for it um, because the quality isn't good. And, it, and the quality is very varied. And like I said, I'm in the fortunate position that I see a lot of EHCPs and it's very, very variable, very variable. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. What bugs me the most when we get to Section F is like Section F should really say things like 2.5 hours of TA time dedicated to this aspect of his learning mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, f- per week or like uh, four hours of salt per week, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what we end up getting is an attuned adult who dances around them. <laughs> yeah. Or some of that. A children's TV presenter at their every whim. Yes. And it's like, no. Um, so, uh, sorry, that's jump ahead of Section F. Section E, though, is these are the outcomes. So this is your outcomes. This is like what the result of the provision we put in place in Section F should be. Mm-hmm. Part of me always thinks Section F should come first. 
because yeah, anyway, I, I know but that's mean. just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it really should be like really clear targets, really clear outcomes. Um, I remember we first, when it, we first ticked over from the statement, it'd be things like, we'll learn to read. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, and I, <laughs> And it's it's now better. It's now by the end of Key Stage Three, we'll have uh, access to uh, a reading age within chronological kind of expectations. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and undeniably, I think Cornwall's done some good work around making the actual outcomes succinct, succinct, and actually relevant and suitable. Yeah, there was one county that I work with that had standardised ones that were kind of off the shelf, which you could slightly adapt. And I think that would that would make um, Sankos and and you know anybody really who's involved in in making outcomes lives a lot easier if there was some kind of standardised way of going about things. But again, living the dream, and that's the other thing as well. Okay, so in your opinion, roughly how many outcomes would you like to see on an EHCP? I would like. Hmm, that's a good one. Mm. I would like no more than about five. I like five. That's my favourite number. So I always say between four and six, which is five. Yeah. Um, I think it's mean to give somebody who already has significant needs more than five outcomes to achieve in an entire year because you wouldn't give that to a neurotypical child, would you? No, you wouldn't. So Um, I, I went to one, right, in one particular county, right, 25 outcomes how do you review that you must be there for like a day it took three hours to do the review (laughs) oh i'm not very good in meetings as it is um has anyone been to meet with me no um oh i couldn't do that couldn't do that it was yeah 25 and you know there's yeah. me going, right, can we just cut this down to six maximum, please? Six. And they're going, six? That's outrageous. I'm going, okay, five then. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, but like, if you, you want one for communication interaction. You yeah. want one for like SEMH, one yeah. for cognition learning, yeah. one for sensory needs, yeah. and one other, who knows? Maybe to independence. Yeah. Yeah, maybe independence or maybe two if it's something like, you know, for example, if they they have cognition and learning needs in maths and English, then maybe yeah. you will have a maths and learning English one, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, but again, sometimes I think the people who, who create this paperwork are very, they like paperwork. Um, I don't like paperwork. Um, yeah, and it's like paperwork, sometimes for the sake of paperwork, mm-hmm. which anyway, that's a whole different conversation. So, section F the most controversial part of an EHC. Bearing in mind, I've also said that several of the sections are pretty controversial. Yeah. Section F is the provision required by the child or young person. And it should be, should be, should, underline should in bold, detail specific and quantified in terms of hours and expertise and all those things. Mm -hmm. Should. Yeah should and needs to be for each and every need in section b it mm-hmm. needs to be for each and every need in section b mm-hmm. so so we give so we give a range of like poor failures to specify examples yeah i mean i can think of loads there are so many poor gods i'm just trying to think of the 
you know it it it's the vague and wooliness things and like you say it's like um we'll have access to a sympathetic adult yes um like uh pierre will have access to high level support what <laughs> what yeah. does that mean yeah and yeah. I, I, I don't mean to be biased right because i love our educational psychologist um colleagues they're really important and they're worth the weight in gold but you tend to get more things like that from them I think you... because they haven't necessarily been in the classroom now these days, have they? When they used to always have to have been ex-teachers, I think yeah. the, stan the standard of provision was better. But then I think sometimes they can't necessarily imagine what it's going to be like because they haven't necessarily taught these days. Possibly so. I mean, I'd argue that a good EP is worth the weight in platinum. Or oh, even, absolutely. You know, oh, my God, even... they're amazing. Definitely. They're not... Yeah, you know what? No, printer ink. They're worth the weight in printer ink. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, that's <laughs> what Prit sticks. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, really, really high end stuff here. But um, yes, I do think so. So in Cornwall, what happens is when we're actually doing the EHC assessment and it's getting to like drafting the plan, mm. um, the EP team gets asked to write their viewpoints and kind of mm. do their targets, uh, and the school does as well. Any other professionals, and one hundred percent of the time, whatever the EP has written. Is what ends up in the plan. Yeah, that's what gets on the plan. Yeah. Like uh, they almost like when we were in Gloucestershire, like so the advisory teacher service, we would always do ours and then the EP would do theirs. And we'd have regularly seen the, the, the student and the EP would have seen them once and they'd pretty much cut and paste everything the EP wrote across. Yeah. Even um, though it's stuff like, you know, uh, Pierre would have access to a high level support. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Yeah. No, and it's things like, oh, so and so will have access to. Uh, fidget toys yeah or something like that and you're like well that's not really a provision thing is it i mean there's going to be fidget toys in the school anyway really. yeah so what that, do you need money for, for that yeah that's your offer right there that's your that's your that's your yes your standard offer exactly you know. it's universal that is isn't it yeah it is yeah um okay so a good example of specificity specific, specific of being specific mm. in section f could it, it could be uh pierre will get two point five hours of TA support one-to-one -one, uh, in English lessons. Uh, and that TA will have an understanding of ASD uh, and will be experienced to work with children at ASD. Mm -hmm. Boom. That's to the point. Yeah, like I would always put in the specific uh, outcome that they're trying to help them with. So, you know, if they've been, if they were doing like high frequency words, yeah. and then I would put in specifically what training the individual who was helping them with would have. So, you know, like yes. say if the school does read, write, ink, and I would say a, you know, a high quality TA who's been working with read, write, ink, say, for example. Yeah. For, so, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. What, yeah. And then be really, really specific about exactly who it is. They're less likely, yeah. to, take it, they're less likely to take you, take it off you the next year, aren't they? You know? Well, they are. Yeah. Was, yeah. That's, and that's, yes. And that's, uh, we'll, get, we'll get to the whole kind of like the LA trying to cut corners places, mm -hmm. um, you know, so having said that, ooh, random question for you. Is it possible to write a in section F a therapy? Like a medical therapy? Uh I think in terms of like mental health support it is. Um yeah, I think so. I mean, and also as well, like things like Thrive and yeah. thera Theraplay and Thrive, those sorts of things I think can be in there. I mean, I've had things like equine therapy, music therapy, yeah, yeah. art therapy and stuff written in there. So yeah, I'd say definitely, but it has to be kind of working to a specific outcome. So from E, 
yes. you've got to have an outcome that goes with it. So, you know, if you are, it can't be as woolly as to uh, learn to emotionally regulate or something no. like that. It has to be something specific, like, you know, possibly an SEMH outcome. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, you need to specify that that person is a trained music therapist and not some guy with a guitar. And a beard. Yeah. Um, and a ponytail. Um, <laughs> so, yes, um, it can, as long as it's attached, as long as it's attached to um, a special educational need, that provision, yeah. so it can be there. And then the LA, the local authority, has a duty to ensure provision is made. Yeah. Now, the other thing, that they don't tell you very much is that if it is in section F, mm -hmm. if it is provision in section F, who is responsible for ensuring that provision? What's well, the answer? Is the it's a legal requirement, isn't it? It's a legal requirement, and the legal requirement falls upon the local authority. Yes, exactly. Which... So, you know, so if you do have a provision that's like really specific to a particular aim and then, you know, the the funding gets taken away for that particular one or the, you know, or, or whatever, then they have a duty of care to buy someone in privately. Yep, they do. Mm -hmm. um, they don't like people knowing about that for some reason. Oh, they really just they really dislike that. Yep. But um... that's why you see this is the thing, right? You take the county to a tribunal. You don't take... The school. The, if the school, not in this specific one. I mean, there's other no. reasons why you would take a school to a tribunal, but not yeah. for, for EHCPs. No. Um, and it's really, I think it's, and it's just that revelation. When I learned that, because they don't teach you this in Senko school. No, they do not. Um, Senko school, by the way, for everyone who's not a Senko, is like the NAS Senko uh, training course, which is about the code of practice and some other things. And there's some essays you write, blah, 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 blah. Fine. But they really need. A, a bolt-on module called getting a kid in the HCP. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's all you want to know, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, every, you know, and like, you know, ASD looks like this and dyslexia looks like this and da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it is, you know, how to put on the metaphorical brass knuckles and go to town on county. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so you've got section G, section H, which could theoretically be H1 and H2. Section G is healthcare provision, mm -hmm. um, which is obviously so that's slightly separate from Section F. Section F is provision around schools. Mm -hmm. Section G is like healthcare provision. Mm -hmm. uh, Section H1 is social care provision. Mm -hmm. And Section H2 is other social care provision. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. I've actually never seen those three things come up. You like it's like not not in mainstream. No. no, I mean, like, you know, special schools, like if you've got a child who is uh, like, you know, um, a looked after child and mm. has to have a particular like um, personal assistant provision that will support them with their education or like, say, for example, like you need they have to have for some reason speech and language therapy outside school and they need a chaperone to take them there who's a you know qualified um care assistant or something like that yeah or like there's some kid there's some kids who have nurses so like some of the special schools i've worked in when i've worked with pmld kids they had nurses who who were like employed by the school yeah and would, would do things like that and then you'd see it but like you know for the vast majority of kids who are in mainstream you're not going to see that section at all really are you no so yeah so we've got section I, mm -hmm. 
the name and type of school maintained, post 16, or other institution or type of school. Mm -hmm. um, nothing too controversial there, apart from the fact there's not enough special schools. That's a different. Nope. Um, I think inclusion is really important. And I think it, we can we can include many pupils with good cultures and good teaching and learning. Yeah. But I also think there are some individuals who are always going to struggle in a large mainstream environment. Um, yeah. And, and it, my, my fundamental problem with that is if it's a physical need, right, or, you know, significant learning difficulties, then they'll go straight into specialist provision. If yeah. the child has an SEMH need or, or autism, for that matter, really, they have to fail before they get yes. a special need placement. And I think that is wrong and damaging. Yes, that really is wrong and that really is damaging. Uh, ben Newmark has, has uh, written a lot about that, about the whole kind of like the way as a meritocracy we are set up so that like there is an element that you have to fail. And when you're applying for an EHC, you are basically mm -hmm. going worst case scenario stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and there is, a, there is a kind of psychic damage there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let alone the fact that sometimes LA goes, well, we haven't got evidence they're going to fail in mainstream. It's like, Okay. <laughs> Parents are saying it, kids saying it, we're saying it, primary school saying it. Come yeah, on. And then, and then they go, do you just want to give mainstream a go? And you go, yeah. no. Give it, yeah. No, no, exactly. And it's just like, I think I said this to you last time. I have literally been in like head teachers' offices where they've been in tears or absolutely distraught because their only choice to get this child a specialist placement is to exclude. No head teacher wants to exclude anyone, no. but they definitely don't want to exclude them just so that they can get the right provision. It's just That's, wrong. But, you know, uh, yeah, some school, yeah, and it's just so wrong that the world has gotten that way. Yeah. You know. You know, but it's, um, more, it's more difficult to get your child into special school than it is to get them into into grammar school. Which says something, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. There are yeah. less special school places than there are grammar school places. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Raw. 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 Okay. So sectionalized name and name and type of school. Um, that wasn't going to be controversial. It's become controversial. Um, <laughs> section J is a personal budget, the details of this, or any director payments agreed and the outcomes that it should support, mm -hmm. fine. Um, in here, we get we get the uh, the alleged nominal 6,000 pound that, that mm. occasionally gets thrown around. Yep. Have you ever seen the alleged, alleged nominal 6,000 pound? No. No. I haven't. Don't, I don't think anyone has. I've never been able to pin it down where it actually exists or who's actually said. So this idea, for those who don't, don't one of the myths around EHG's assessment is that you've got to be spending over six thousand pounds on that mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. for the local authority to think they need they have additional needs enough in order to look to an EHG assessment. That is one of the myths. And it is a myth. There is no money attached to a child's needs in that way. You could yeah. spend, you know, theoretically there is delegated money for special needs kids, but it's not really separated out. It's all kind of very murky. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, and you can never find it on an actual, like, a column on a spreadsheet. 
No, and and the, the local authorities have um, like a list of the nominated SEM budget for each school, which is basically a percentage that they've taken, but it's not ring fenced. No. So like they'll have, uh, you know, this school has so many thousands of pounds to deal with SEM. And they'll sometimes they'll look at not just the specific child, but how many children they've got with particular needs. And they go, well, they haven't got that many needs. They can just do it out of their budget. Yeah. Because they've got this nominal amount of money, which isn't ring fenced. Because so they must, they've got, they're swimming in money. They're fine. They don't need the HCP. <laughs> it all comes down to money, doesn't it? Anyway, um, section K, the advice and information gathered during the assessment. You know, although a lot of that doesn't turn up in later review paperwork. No. But, you know, so that's the invisible section K. Mm -hmm. And then section I, the name and type of school. Fine. Mm -hmm. So, and then, it then, then and a lot of tribunals come down to this, a parent naming a certain school on this. Mm -hmm. And that can be very sticky um, and very tricky um, because, you know, special schools are expensive. Very expensive, yeah. You know, um, yeah. So that is a quick, reasonably not mega controversial overview of watching an EHC plan. Mm -hmm. Is I mean, I, I, I we've completely forgotten to actually press the news button as well. Whoops, sorry. Oh, oh. Um, that should have been like half an hour ago. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. Whoops, got distracted. So I need to press the news button. Okay. Shall we? And we've got, oh my God, we've got 83 people have said something on our chat thing as well. Oh, all right. Okay. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I haven't even looked. No. Sorry, people. Oh my gosh. Loads of things. Um, uh, fashion teacher, very well quality, seems likely to favor applications for children who are more privileged by a mistake. Oh, absolutely. That's totally true. Absolutely. Oh, people like in the show. Um, oh, fashion teacher again. Or oh, what about module? Get county to be accountable. Definitely, that'd oh, be definitely. good. Definitely, yeah, that would be really good in Senko qualification. Yeah. Yes, it would be, uh, and then not vigorously about national provision for an investment in SEMH needs. Yes, totally. That's, that's huge. That really, like, we just need that massively, really. Yeah, we really do. We really do. Right, I'm going to play the um uh, the what it's called now. That bit. I'm playing that bit. Um, and I'm going to run off and uh, wrangle my chickens into their coop. I haven't done that yet either. Oh. Yes. That, oh, you know, we've got chickens. We've got two. We've got two silkies, one of whom's really not very bright, um, and some bantams. And oh. one bant. Yeah. Oh no, one of the bantams, who is named after a character from Fast and the Furious, four, isn't very nice to the other bantams. All the other silkies. Yeah, so I need to go make sure that she's not being really mean and stopping anyone else from getting to the coop. So I'm going to press play, and I should be back, hopefully not having been henpecked, ha, 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 um, in about four minutes. Okay. Cool. Cool. Excellent. I will see you then. A leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides, and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. At the National Higher Education Conference, Unison Assistant General Secretary John Richards opened proceedings with a damning critique of the government's approach towards university education, according to Unison's own website. Mr Richards focused on out-of-touch ministers who failed to understand the current funding crisis and pointed out that the funding models across the UK seem to be broken. He cited the issue of limited government funding as causing a de facto cap on student numbers and accused the government of trashing the UK's reputation for higher education in Europe, leading to big drops in the numbers of overseas students a story covered by Teachers Talk Radio News last week. Mr Richards went on to assert that those in government do not understand the cost of living crisis because they've never had to face it. Strike action by those working in the HE sector has been part of a wave of action taken by unions across a range of public sectors in recent weeks. The last week saw the release of details of government plans to revamp children's social care in England. BBC News reported on the plan for more early support for families and the extra £200 million funding for the next two years. Last year, a review warned that tens of thousands more children could end up in care without additional funding and reform. The plan has faced criticism that many of the changes are being rolled out as localised pilots rather than a national programme. The government plans to put families at the heart of the reform and intends to provide better support for all vulnerable children in order to reduce the need for crisis intervention. There will be pilots in 12 local authorities which will deliver more early support for families struggling with addiction, domestic abuse and poor mental health. There will also be more family type placement for children in care with relatives, friends or foster families. Other changes include plans to recruit more foster carers, a simpler process and more support for relatives or friends who take on children, a rise in the leaving care allowance and support for councils to recruit and retain more social workers. Economic Constitutional and Social Policy Forum Politea has published an article focusing on its views of the proposed changes to the school's history curriculum. The publication History, Whose History? The Battle for the School Curriculum features three historians' views on the proposals. The government's plan for reform came in response to recommendations from the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. The plan for a new model history curriculum for pupils to see themselves as integral parts of what makes up the UK today was proposed. The essays included in the publication focus on the responses of a variety of academics who all appear to conclude that there is no need for the proposed changes because diversity is already built in the current programme. Further details of the publication and forum for debate can be found on the Policia website. Finally, a school principal in a rural part of Northern Ireland has expressed concerns over safety after it emerged that recruitment of lollipop men and women is being frozen. It comes as part of a drive to save money. The current power sharing deadlock in Stormont meant no budget could be agreed and significant cuts needed to be made. The principal of a rural primary school, Donna Winters, told the BBC that until recently there had been consistent crossing patrol staff that have been vital in making sure pupils can cross roads safely, but that they have not had staff since December. 
the school has had to resort to employing a patrol staff member directly and, when they are absent, teaching and support staff have to fill in. Ms Winters went on to point out that safety was not an area where cuts should be made. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safer Internet Week, with the official day being on the 7th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre focuses on Want to Talk About It, making space for conversation online. They've got loads of educational resources on the website saferinternet.org.uk, banded into 3 to 7, 7 to 11, 11 to 14 and 14 to 18 years of age. They are even translated into Welsh and have adapted resources for SEND and ALD. So... They have pretty much covered all bases. You need to take a look. But why do we need to get our young people talking about this? Well, let me try and give you an idea in one breath. With an estimated 5.16 billion people using the internet, that's 64.4% of the world's population. It's estimated that around 500,000 predators pose a threat to young people daily, with the main target being 12 to 15-year-old children. With a quick search of statistics from the internet, I found supposedly 1 in 25 children will be manipulated in some way this year, and 80% of predatory behaviour will be through social media. This couple with only 15% of parents actually knowing what their children are doing online makes this an issue which definitely needs to be talked about with our young people. <sighs> to get some perspective on this, every 60 seconds, TikTok users watch over 167 million videos. Data never sleeps. We need to know how to stay safe because the sheer volume of data means it cannot effectively be policed. Please send your thoughts amongst the 575,000 other posts every 60 seconds on Twitter at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Excellent. And we are back. Katrina, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. How are the chickens? They are actually, I went outside to, to like herd them in and it seemed that like one of my kids has already done it for me. Oh, Boom. Brilliant. Brilliant. That is Perfect. a success story right there. Yes. Um, so we were discussing uh, EHEs and we, mm-hmm. kind of, we kind of ran through the whole kind of like the what should be in a plan and how what should be in a plan is sometimes what's not in a plan. But, you know. That's how it is, annoyingly. Um, and we touched upon a few of the kind of more controversial aspects. Shall we now talk about the most controversial bit, which is applying for an educational health and care assessment? Yes, absolutely. And I think the number one thing is, uh, like you said at the beginning, uh, make sure you know that legislation backwards, forwards and inside out before you do that. If it's your first go, Yep. give you put some time aside to know that because it's yep. going to save you a hell of a lot of time and effort later and probably if you're applying for one ehc it it's probably not going to be your last even if it's your first so no. yeah take the time to get to know the legislation oh. oh that is fine can you hear a beeping noise in the background yes yeah that is um it appears someone's off the fire alarm upstairs oh that's really unhelpful oh, oh Oh dear, that's okay. I'm sure they now open up windows for me. Or they're doing something. Yeah, it's going away. Um, do you want to talk? I'm just going to turn my microphone off. Do you want to talk briefly about how someone would apply for an EHC assessment? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, you have two options you can apply as a school or you can apply as a parent. Um, I would say that even though it's going to take you 
<clears throat> a lot of work. It's better for you to do it as a school um, because it's easier for you to pull all the paperwork together than for the parents to do so. This uh, is true. However, parent, go on. Parents' ability to do this varies, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was, by the way, the fire alarm's gone off now. Okay. Um, yeah. So I could just heard, I heard some frantic, like, window opening and some kind of flapping with a tea towel. <laughs> so I presume that's, that's okay. Um, having said that, so you apply the county for an EHC assessment. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are only two legal tests that county should be applying. And that's where it kind of falls down. Because there's only two legal tests. And whether they apply them or not is a different question. And then maybe they then say we're not they, they've done a refusal to assess. But if they do a refusal to assess, they get they have to give a right to appeal at a tribunal. Mm -hmm. uh, and, they, and they never win the appeal. Well, not, well, I say ninety-five percent of the time it's going to go in, in favour of the of, of the parents, isn't it? I heard ninety-seven percent. Yeah, it's a lot though, isn't it? Either it's way, a it's a lot, isn't it? So there's really no point in them going through the whole malarkey. Have you been in tribunal? Uh, no, because um, when I have supported parents to go to tribunal, um, it doesn't get there because after two weeks, can't you turn around and go, okay, fine, what it says. Yeah, no, usually they do. Usually they do. And I have, I've, it's, it's been a rarity that I've been, but usually, you know, it's like, we're all just here to rubber stamp this. It's going to go in favour of the parents. Yeah. So what is the point of going through this? Because even the government's own statistics say it's like 95, possibly even 97% chance of going in that, which is why you like, they say no, keep going. Yes. All the time. All the time. They're definitely good. Well, okay, not definitely going to say no. There's a really good chance they're going to say no, but keep going. Because if yeah. you know that the child needs an EHCP, you're probably right. Yeah. And to be fair, you know, and I think and I'm trying to get my county people to get the idea that if I'm ringing up saying this child needs an EHC, mm -hmm. the chances are they need an EHC. Mm -hmm. um, alas, they haven't got to that point of figuring out that I will go away yet. <laughs> I won't go away, rather. It's like literally said to them, look, I'm really autistic. When I get things in my head, I don't back down. Um, yeah, that's a good thing, though. It's for the it is a good thing. It is a good yeah. thing. I've been really over it. It's like, uh, you know, your paperwork's terrible. I'm not going to do your paperwork. It makes me it makes me have a headache to put in yeah. your paperwork. So I'm going to do my own paperwork and, <laughs> and hand that in instead. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, so so county should like theoretically apply only two legal tests once mm -hmm. you apply for an EHC. The two legal tests are: um, does the does the child maybe have SEN needs, mm -hmm. and do they maybe need provision for those SEN needs? Mm -hmm. That's and it, it. And it is kind of as vague as that. Have you ever sat on panel? I have I sat. I have not, I've not sat on the panel to assess, but I've sat on the panel where they kind of go uh, to confirm. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was eye-opening in how, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have any paperwork. I didn't, they didn't give me any paperwork. I just watched them on the screen go, this feels like four units. Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it's it's interesting to do because like it, this is the thing as well that I think a lot of Sanko's special needs teachers don't realize is you can go and observe panel hmm. and it's it you know you you make an appointment and you can do it and there's no reason why you shouldn't be allowed to do that and it's it's kind of part of your CPD yes it and is. once you get that you've done it also as well like if you are working in a particular county and you get there that usually it's the same kind of group of people or like you know there'll be like a pool of people who will do it yeah and it'll be like you know every second tuesday or whatever if you go and do that then you know the names of those people and they've seen you and that definitely helps because you know there's the who you know thing so if you have got the option to do so in your county then ask to observe it's definitely worth a morning out of school to do Oh, it really is. It was really, it was eye-opening for me. It's also a bit frustrating. Um, it is frustrating because you think, oh my God. And the other thing is as well, like, I don't know about, about where you are, but do they have like a matrix where they, where they like measure the child up against a sort of set of rules? I think they did, but they didn't show it to me, um, which I found, again, frustrating. Um, the most frustrating thing is they don't keep minutes. No. They which don't. I find really, you know, this is like a meeting that's got kind of like a legal basis mm-hmm. and they don't keep minutes about who says stuff. No, um, don't. And I think, and I keep saying, why don't you keep minutes? And they just, oh, we don't, we just don't keep minutes. We're not required to. Um, and if I was, you know, education secretary, and one day I hope to be. Mm-hmm. Um, You'd be good at it as well. Thank you. I have a reason why I want to be education secretary. Um, so my partner's name is Monday, M U N D A Y. Mm -hmm. And I, my name is McFadden. Um, and when we get married, I really want eventually get married. I want to portmanteau our names. None of that, like, none of that, like, you know, like hyphenated. I want to be called McFunday. That would be brilliant. Exactly. And my partner thinks it's a terrible idea. Um, but I eventually wore her down so that she said, if you get into house of Lords, you can change your name and my name. That would so, be so good. So basically, I want to become a head teacher so I can become like a CEO so I can get myself into House of Lords eventually or get into Department of Education, blah, 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 blah to get into House of Lords. And the day I'm in the House of Lords, I'm going down the road to like whatever that place is where you change your name mm. and I'm going to become Lord McFunday. Oh, it's quite easy. To, I changed my name. It's quite easy to do. So it's Deed Poll and you just oh. send away You just send away for it and get someone to sign it and send it back. It's really easy cool. to do. I'll do that. Cost like 60 quid or something. And then oh, well worth it. Lord yeah, McFunday. Totally. Boom. Yeah. Oh my God. That's an amazing name. Yeah. Be well good. Um, yeah. So, but she's like, you can't do it in the House of Lords. Fine. So. Well, it's something to aim for. It is. It is a life aim. It's nice to have a life aim. That's what mm-hmm. I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and every so often I bring it up to her and she just gets worried that I'm going to become a Lord at some point. Um, <laughs> because I want to get things stuck in my head. Um, so yeah, how do we get onto this? Oh yeah, if, oh, I, if yeah. I was, if I was in charge of education, mm. first thing I'd be like, right, EHCPs, you're taking minutes and those, and they're going to be publicly available. Yeah, I think so. I think that that would be a massive difference because, uh, you know, to be honest, it's not as organised as you might think, and. No. Uh, I don't think it's very organized at all. No, no, uh, uh, no, it isn't. And it's a massive, massive eye-opener. Basically, you if you want to see how humans, humans are, then go and watch an EHC panel, right? 
and you will understand the humanity of humanity because they don't really know any more than you do right and like this so they have some counties okay so when i was in gloucestershire we went in and out with this of having a matrix or like some kind of algorithm type of thing to work out whether a child should have a particular assessment and then we had another one which was criteria which was like how much they should be allocated in terms of their budget and that was worked out when if you say like it was a year five autistic adhd boy from the forest of dean this was the average amount of money they got and then decide whether they should be above average or below average from it like by using the statistics from the last five years which is completely ridiculous way yeah. to work out how much a child needs because you know timmy needs a different amount of money to mohammed who needs a different amount of money from barry do you know what i mean it's just yeah it would be good if they read the actual provision mm -hmm. um and if the provision was like really specific, specific, it'd be really clear. Oh yeah, I was I was absolutely astounded by doing this. this is what I'm saying. Like if there's any senkers or potential senkers or SEN teachers or assistant senkers or anybody's even thinking about it, it's worth it's worth a morning out of school to go and it observe is. panel because it's gonna it's gonna open your eyes. Yeah, it is just really oh, it's just it is frustrating. It's the whole kind of like this child feels like it needs four units. Mm -hmm. It's like what? they've never met also just to be clear they've never met the child they've probably never even been to the school no and they don't know the Sanko or anybody no um, although although when i was on panel they were like oh we've heard of you oh good <laughs> yeah that's a good thing that's, that that's what i'm thing. saying if you can see the whites of their eyes then you know if you do have to make phone calls or write stuff or something like that and they go oh yeah so oh yeah i remember they were that person on panel who said we should take minutes yeah and then and then <laughs> oh, kept making their own notes yeah, yeah exactly oh because i did as well i made my own notes <laughs> yeah of course you do. i'm just recording this don't, don't mind me <laughs> oh it shouldn't be this way this is, this is the future of like children this is their lives i know i know i know and it's 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 awful right and i i do a lot of parent support as well like i do i do a lot of training with um like parent organizations and charities that do parent training and it always comes up about this yeah always and i just go you know i mean how are they how are they making their minds up about this and i go well it's not as it's it's not as scientific as you might hope or think it's not even as it's not even as bureaucratic in a good way no it's it felt a bit it was what you know when i was on panel i was just like wow it's like a terry gilligan terry gilligan gilligan yeah. film oh yeah it's like that it is like it's that. like that yeah it's just like yeah anyway um so there are some like there are some myths mm -hmm. one that we discussed previously which is like the that six thousand pounds the six thousand pound myth which is just like a zombie statistic myth mm -hmm. or like a vampire you, you keep sticking that thing in in the grave <laughs> uh, and, it keeps, and it keeps coming back um although my county has stopped quoting that to me now <laughs> that's the thing once you prove to them that it's not actually a thing then they they yeah. do kind of go oh yeah no this is this guy he doesn't know he do, he knows what he's talking about which is yeah. why i'm saying spend some time reading through the legislation save yep. it to your phone highlight certain bits make sure you can quote it in the, in the meetings give the information to parents so they can quote it in their own emails etc 
Um, yeah, and like, yeah, and do that and, and go to panel with me, my two kind of top Senko tips, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, another, another myth is that you need a report from an educational psychologist. No, um, Cornwall was, up until someone became really awkward about it, uh, saying that to Senko's. Um, they stopped saying that now um, because I could, because I've actually written, no, I'm not doing that. They don't need that. That's not required. Um, so that's good. Um, another myth is that you need at least three terms worth of assessment plan do review. No, you don't. You don't. <clears throat> um, and there is no set format for what an assessment plan do review looks like. No, there isn't. It's like some counties will have like prescribed ones. So like yeah. some places have like my plans or yeah, like IEP thingies, whatever they call them. They call them different things yeah. in different places, but you don't have to use their paperwork and you don't have to have done it. And also as well, evidence can be backdated. So if you've got like a year seven coming in, then you can bring information that's from year six and five. Obviously, yeah. there's been some kind of transition from primary school, so it's completely valid to use that information. Yeah. You know, likewise, if you're in a middle school or they, they've moved into like a sixth form college or an FE place, you can use information from the previous setting. Don't, you know, don't sit there with a kid for three terms, you know. God, no. Um, so I have made county admit to me, uh, poor Cornwall Council, they just, they just don't know how to cope with me sometimes, I think. Um, but I've got them to admit in writing that you don't need to do an assessment review. And if you did need to do it, you haven't got to do it in a set format. Um, and then Patty, so there was one, there was one situation where I basically did a really detailed chronology of this kid of like, worked out what was wrong, put a plan together, that kind of like a narrative mm. and I literally wrote in it like, this is a problem. <clears throat> this is what we planned to do. This is what we did. We reviewed it on this date. These are the changes we made. And it was just like a kind of rolling chronology, mm -hmm. which is kind of how I think like a narrative as yeah. opposed to those bloody assessed plan to review grids. Oh God, that's um, so annoying. Oh, that's so, it's just like that's not how anyone in, or maybe there are. No, um, that's too. That's, maybe some math teachers think that way, um, but I don't know anyone else that thinks in terms of those assessed plan do review grids properly. Um, but anyway, so I did my chronology thing, and I, they they came back with, "Oh, it's not an assessed plan do review," and I was, and I was like, "Really? Mm -hmm. Did you not read it?" They're like, "It's more like a chronology." Really? What do you think an assessed plan do review is? If not a chronology. <laughs> it's a chronology. It literally is another word for chronology. Do you know when I, they, they oh God, it was a long time ago, wasn't it, when they started doing those lovely diagrams, which were the assessed mm. plan do review kind of thing, which is what we've been doing for years anyway. And I just went, oh, you mean a chronology? Yeah. <laughs> and they went, oh, no, 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 it's a assessed plan do review cycle. It's the yeah, same. Yeah, a, a, a cycle. That's, thing. that's a chronology. Exactly. It's like where you started what happened in the middle where you ended up exactly yeah really as long as they can read it and understand what you did then yeah. they should accept it yeah they should accept it and mm -hmm. if they don't accept it and they reject it you go to tribunal yeah um so there we go oh i'm just like i can just feel my blood pressure rising thinking about this and talking about this <laughs> I know, but, we, but I, I actually think, you know, just looking at the comments, I think we are like, and there'll be a lot of people who listen back to this as well. I think it's going to, I'm really hoping that it's going to help. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering about, like, wondering about if we should do like a little blog about it as well, Eugene. Yeah, that'd be quite nice. On yeah, my, yeah, one should, of you, maybe, yeah, we'd have a joint blog. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Something along the lines of like, um, 
really awkward things to say to people. Um, yeah. As you look them in the eye. Um, not really. I don't do eye contact. Um, Nor do I. It's no. overrated. It's so overrated. I mm. don't. Oh, my God. And then you get, like, EHCPs, like, and it's like, we'll make eye contact for some uh, kid. It's God, like, oh, my God. That's just awful, isn't it? Yes. Um, although, on the back of our last... Um, of our last pod, what is this a podcast? Is it a radio show? Whatever the it's heck. A bit this, of both, isn't it? Bit it's of a both. Pod radio show. Yeah, I just realised I spelled Saturday wrong. The Sat Uday Twilight Show. Owl. Oh, um, on the title of this thing, I'll fix it later on. Um, so yeah, on the back of it, I was like, "There's so much ableist language in these EHCs." So mm-hmm. whenever we're re- reviewing them now, I'm crossing things out and leaving a little note saying, "This is ableist. <laughs> you need to change this." So. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean they just they are they're very deficit model based, yeah, very or medicalized language, and they're inherently ableist. Hmm. And it's just things like you know, there's all, there's also things that are just kind of like, okay, so for example, I worked worked in a, a, a specialist school, and I had these children who were autistic but also had severe learning difficulties, like you know. Um, in the old money, they would have been like P4 to P6, you know, like yes. really yeah. like, you know. And one of the one the EHCP I saw for this girl was, we'll, we'll learn to play imaginatively with peers. No, she's not. She's never going to do that, right? Because, but she plays and she has a lovely time and she interacts with peers in her own way, but she's not going to play dollies with them, is she? Mm. And she's not going to play house and she's not going to play, you know, cops and robbers or whatever with them in the way that you think a neurotypical peer should do. She plays with her peers and she plays and she's having a lovely time and she's learning an awful lot from it. But she's not going to play My Little Ponies with her, is she? This, and that, that, I think that cuts to the, the crux of the problem with EHCs is sometimes what they're doing is they're trying to, they're trying to create a quote and i'm doing quote marks at a normal child yeah that's what it is it's trying to make right so basically some of them read this child will become more neurotypical but they yeah. won't or just more typical but they won't yeah you know and i think it's again it's a deficit model it's mm-hmm. like you know we want them to not be them anymore we want them to be like everyone else mm-hmm. um and I think, and then that, and that comes from like, you know, exam pressure and it comes from like, um, to set up a system and all those things. But is that kind of underlying meritocracy of like, you know what, if you just worked harder, kid, mm-hmm. it would, you know, you will have different genetics. So what, That's, you know, which is really, really hard. And yeah, I do think, I mean, Ben Newmark speaks so powerfully on this. Have you seen the stuff he's written? Yeah, I've just I've just bookmarked it, it again, and I had a quick look when you were out with the chickens, and there's a lot of really there's a lot of sense talked here. Yeah, I need to go into it in a bit more depth, actually. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, feel, mean, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, so my sister is like, you know, much as people don't talk about like the spectrum as a as a continuum anymore. Well, I do, but anyway, my sister is a far end of the continuum, mm-hmm. so she will never live independently. She will, you know, she's incredibly knowledgeable mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, The Outer Limits TV show mm-hmm. and uh, Looney Tunes, Disney movies, and awesome. also 
the Wildcats, which is something you watch on YouTube, which is like, I don't even know what the hell it is, but it's you, you know, and that's the top of the conversation. And she's perfectly happy talking about those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and she knows them really well, but she will never live independently. And that's fine, you know. But growing up, growing up with my mum, and my mum grew up in like a very poor part of Ireland, um, like literally an island off the coast of Ireland. And mum left home at 16 to come to like London to get a job. Wow. You know, and this the sheer pressure on my mum of having a disabled daughter in a very kind of, in a very Catholic environment where it seems as being like a you know punishment from God. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of like, you know, that kind of weight. I, mean, I don't think we recognize how much societal weight there is sometimes, like hidden societal weight around disability. Um, yeah, and it is, and it's just like, like I said, I do a lot of work with parent training recently, and I, I had like a cohort of... Um, of foster parents like last Mm. week my god it's so eye-opening working with them because they're so skilled and so knowledgeable and they love those kids it is their job but Mm. they love those kids and just you know the way that they get knocked back and treated and one woman said um she was really upset she went for a walk with her dog her partner was at home with the kids she went for a walk with her dog just to get out for like half an hour and this woman who saw her went oh yeah you're the one with those delinquent kids in your house aren't you oh and it's just like you know that's really heartbreaking isn't it like you know they've already been binned and they're like six and seven and like i say like i said earlier about like in order to get a place in a special school, there are less special school places than there are grammar school places in this country, right? You know how hard it is to get into grammar schools. Like I, we had grammar schools in Gloucestershire. People would come from Oxfordshire every day and Swindon every day to, get yeah. their, to, to have their kids in a, in a grammar school. Um, that's hours of journeys every single day for these kids because that's what they wanted to do. It's the same sort of thing with special schools, you know, like they can very regularly be getting a taxi for over an hour each way every single day right and you can imagine like any other kid having to do that because there isn't the provision in the county and then you know they've they've had to be excluded often from their mainstream school which is all they know and it's failed because really no fault of their own and then everything with the parents as well the parents have got to fight 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 every single step of the way we as teachers as special needs and and Senkos and Elenkos and we've got to fight, fight, fight every single step of the way. You know you've got a fight on your hand. As soon as you think that child is in the HCP, you're like, right, roll the sleeves up. Come on, there. It is. And, and the language, we end up, you know, I use language as a street fight. Yeah, and it is. Just... That's what it is. That's what it is. And like, you have, like, you know, if you, if you are thinking, if you're somebody listening to this and you are thinking of becoming a Senko, then, you know, it's that kind of old Buddhist kind of saying about you need an open heart and a strong back Yeah. to do this, right? You need to be absolutely 100% certain and have full compassion for that child and that family that you, this is what you're going to do and you're going to do it. And you need to have a strong back because everybody is going to try every single time to trip you up and to like, to not give you this. This is not going to be easy, right? But it's the right thing for the child and that's why we do it. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. And we should be assessing on need. And also as well, as teachers, we should be trusted to know. And that's why I'm saying, like, 
you know, things like the Do It Profiler, I think if they were, if we had some kind of like big screening program that we could do with children, not for necessarily every single child, but if you suspected no. a child had neurodiversity and there was a screening program available to you, you can go, right, this is what the needs are. Okay. So we're going to meet those needs within the capacity that we've got, but you can quite easily prove using data that that hasn't happened. That just like that data just goes straight to county and county go, here you go, extra provision. Shouldn't be any of these hoops to jump through, et cetera. No. If a child needs something, it should happen. Happen. And if a child needs to go to specialist provision, that should happen way, way, way before it gets to the point where they have exhausted all their opportunity at state at, at mainstream school. They shouldn't have to be excluded in order to get into specialist provision. Yes, because we do know that exclusion or suspension of exclusion does have a negative impact upon child's lives. Uh, yeah, it does. And then, you know, you, you've only got to go to the Timpson report. I know there's, it's quite controversial and some people don't like it, but the thing that sticks in my mind and probably the most persuasive part is um, exclusion over the lifetime of somebody costs £375,000 to the taxpayer. That's a lot of money. Yeah. But if we get things right early enough, I mean, so let me just tell you a depressing statistic about Cornwall right now. Guess yeah. where the nearest special school place to Cornwall is right now because everything else is full in Cornwall. Everything is full in Cornwall. Got it far then, yeah, is it? The New Forest. No way. That's like four hours away. Yeah. That's like if that kid needs to go to a special school, the family's got to move. Well, literally, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, if I wasn't on the radio, I would swear a lot about that, Eugene. That's disgusting. Yeah, I found that out yesterday. I was like, oh, I and I swore a lot then. Um, yeah. That's disgusting. That is just like, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's a lovely school and all. Yeah, I know it is. I'm sure it, sure it is. But like, that is a failure of leadership. I mean, what should we talk about? Lack of funding. That's a failure of leadership. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. it, it's just things like, like, you know, are you not counting how many kids? Because we know, we know that, you know, it, it varies slightly from county to county, but it's about 14% of kids are going to have identified needs. Yeah. Right. So we know like, and of those, we, we can say statistically speaking that, you know, probably about, you know, between two and 5% of those are going to need specialist provision. So why yeah. don't we have two to 5% of the school places being specialist provision? And they, we know there's four sets of needs. So why don't we just divide it like, you know, is that too sensible? <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is like that, that, that lack of like, that lack of foresight, lack of vision, that mindset, I think, which is moving now, that mindset of like, well, if they tried harder, they do better. Yeah. And it's just not, it's just not the case. And, and, and the other thing is as well is, the idea that children can quite easily come off an EHCP, like county are always trying to get them off an oh, EHCP yeah. when they have got them, right? And your job in the annual review is to make sure that you keep the provision. Yes. Or um, preferably get more. <laughs> yes. You know? And and that's that's probably like a whole other conversation. But like they are every single every single year they're gonna try and say, Well they you know, but he's made such great successes now. I mean, you know, look how he can he, he could barely read before and he's gone up six months and uh, Yes, yes, you know. because of because I'm doing all these things which cost money. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it is just. Oh, yes, it is, shouldn't be the way it is, and yet it is. And like, yeah, and I, and I increasingly feel that you know when I'm education secretary, no, it's gonna it's gonna fall apart by then. I don't know if it's better to burn the system down or wait for it to fall apart because I don't think the system is fixable anymore. 
I don't I don't I don't think it is really unfortunately it's been that way it's been looking that way for probably about 10 years and now we're just at the point where you know teachers are completely exhausted we've got no resources and because of the way funding's been done for the pay rise it's just yeah. into school's budget so that means that they're going to start looking for more money in other places it means they're less likely to be able to provide for children within that magical you know a designated send budget which isn't ring fenced yep. um the normal six thousand so, pound yeah exactly and there's, so there's going to be there's going to be more ehcps applied for yes and you know it's and the other thing is as well the whole 20 weeks the fact that it takes 20 weeks ha. does it take 20 weeks no, i mean it takes, it takes more than 20 weeks but it's supposed yeah. to take 20 weeks it may take 20. cornwall is currently i keep talking about cornwall because it's what i know right now and cornwall is currently about six months behind i think seven months behind that's probably about average in terms of counties i'll tell you what you know we were talking about moving from one place to another right so i had two brothers who'd moved from america and it was a really sad story as well they just had to leave kind of thing because of family situations and when they go and live with grandparents in gloucestershire they had been on ieps in america and those ones they are like watertight american ieps i don't know if you've ever seen them but they're no i haven't no pretty good documents actually they're worth looking up because that's what we should be having um they had those they've been in specialist placement right but we had to start the whole process again oh right these kids have been in specialist provision in america and we had to send to a state school and then go through the entire process of application like as if they had nothing because according to gloucestershire they had no they had nothing even though they had all this documentation since they had been little tiny kids it's just ridiculous and if a child comes from like poland or czech republic or you know dubai or something like that then you just you know even though they might have like brilliant paperwork from their previous country, you've got no chance. You've still got to go through the whole process of applying from scratch for the HCP. Yeah, which is absolutely mental. It's wrong. It's deeply wrong. Oh, we're actually leaving it on like quite quite a, quite a downer note. <laughs> okay, but there's things you can do though. There are things you can do. So first thing to do is listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> Second thing you can do is memorize the memorize, memorize the law. Don't memorize the law. Memorize the relevant parts of the law. Yeah. If you want to know where the relevant parts of the law are, well, I've said them before, but also go to the IPSIA website mm-hmm. uh, and they will tell it to you. Um, it's all there for you. Memorize those parts of the law. And when you start having conversations with a county, quote those parts of the law. Mm-hmm. A lot. And tell yeah. parents too as well. Yeah, definitely. Tell parents too. <laughs> and tell parents success rate at tribunal is really high mm-hmm. and that's just for cases that get to tribunal mm-hmm. because there's so many cases that don't get to tribunal because mm-hmm. county go you know what we're not going to win that one yeah and even if you go if if they offer you mediation as well if you actually do have to go to mediation again like you've got like a 95 percent chance that you're going to win mediation yeah you know you just have to go to a hotel and eat their biscuits for a bit it's not that bad going to and they're quite nice biscuits they are quite nice yeah. biscuits, yeah, and you get the tiny pencils yeah. and the little bottles of water. It's not a bad day out, really. And they go, they go, you know, so what do you think? And you go, I think we should do what the parents think. And they go, oh, yes, that's very interesting. And then everyone goes, okay, well, obsess now. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? 
you know the loops you have to jump through so that's the thing also as well like keep talking to the parents and you know you've got to be like that that person who stands in the corner of a boxing ring for the parents yes yes go, yeah definitely. come on right we're going to go to the next it's, they're gonna they're gonna try and knock us down but we're not going to be knocked down i'm in your yeah. corner you've got to be jimmy from rocky oh yeah um, definitely definitely process yeah all of it just just you know just and because it, it is because much as it's annoying for us it's a thousand times worse for the parents. Oh, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking you know? for them. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, yeah, and I'm thinking about some parents now. I've actually got a headache from just thinking about the pain that they, 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 they have been through and they are going through. Yeah, and it is, you know? it is, it is literally painful. But you know, once you do get the provision, and you will get it, it's going to be a long journey and everything. But once you do, then you can start doing that. And it, it can make quite, you know, it, the reason that it's worth doing is because it will make a significant difference to that child and that family's life. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And you'll I, feel such a sense of achievement when you see them one year on at the annual review and you go, oh my God, look how far we've come. Yeah. And I think and I, it's, we, talked, we talked earlier on in our kind of cyclical way about having like only a few like targets in Section mm -hmm. E um few outcomes um and i firmly feel that one of the SEMH outcomes should be the child is happy yes i totally agree with you and we don't again we don't i've never seen that um i might start writing it in screw it um you may as the next review mm. i think cause it's really important that we have that you know by end of key stage three davy will have <laughs> They will be happier than he currently is. Um, but yeah, well, you, want, you be... want them to want to come to school and enjoy yeah. it, don't you? Yeah, that's it. And, you know, that's attendance. Attendance is the canary in a coal mine. They ain't turning up. They don't want to turn up. You can't help them if they're not turning up either, can yeah. you? You know, like persistent absence. It is a bit of a thing of mine, as you know. I do write about it quite a lot. Yeah. Um, persistent absence, like you say, it's the canary in a coal mine. They're yeah. going to vote with their feet, aren't they? Yeah, but but if you look at the the absence data right now for the for England, mm -hmm. we are as an average the country is in PA. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. The statistics are ridiculous. Even from when I did yeah. my research, like uh, you know, I had a publication about it a couple of years ago. But even since then, it's just ridiculous. Now, like how. <laughs> how poor attendance is and then when you go down into those, those kids you know it, it, SEM uh, sorry SEM kids are you know identified send is 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 56 percent of those children and of the yeah. rest of them 43 percent are being assessed yeah so something's going wrong in our systems oh yeah absolutely in our school and it's like you look at it and you think where's that coming from and then you look at this the things that are done to and I'm an over attendance. I think attendance is really important. And I, and I, and I work very close with my attendance team, mm. but it's about removing barriers. Yeah. But I, I have seen some schools, not my own, because we're doing a bit, you know, but I've seen some schools where the, where the approach is they're not coming to school. It's like we must whip them harder to get them into school. We must threaten mm -hmm. them to get them into school. Uh, it's the whole thing of like, until morale improves, beatings will continue. Like, mm -hmm. well, it is that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. That's just like, yeah, it's not, you know, it's you catch more flies with honey, you know, that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. 
yeah make school a nice place to be bend a little tiny bit and then once they're in you can you know i always talk about rubber boundaries you know it's not yeah. that you, you you're still going to have really high standards don't get me wrong high standards are massively massively important but you're also going to have really high levels of support yes and that and that's the that's the important bit mm-hmm. it's that support and it's, it's the kids feeling included and feeling you know that you want them there yeah and they've got to be part of the community yeah they've got to feel like they are part of the school community they've got to be proud to wear that uniform yeah i said pride yeah oh here's a one for you senkos out there it's the kind of thing i do because i'm just a bit funny about tracking things do you track engagement of sen kids in our school activities and trips in general yeah mm-hmm. and if you you're not doing that you are missing a trick yeah, it make, it, it's really, really interesting also as well. Like I, I went to this one school that was, I worked to this one school for a few years that had a, like an award from the government about how good the kind of extracurricular pr- provision was. And um, one of the reasons why they thought they'd done so well is because they had like this points-based system where, you know, you'd have the number of merits and the number of times you had attended an after-school club and all that kind of stuff. And it would add up and you'd get this bronze, silver or gold thing. So at the end of the year, you could have an extra non-uniform day or an extra school trip yeah. or whatever. You know, those kind of reward thingy-majoogles. And like, basically, when I went to the school, SEND kids never won that award. They never got their reward day because they weren't attending because the, the, the clubs and things weren't necessarily accessible for them and they didn't have the confidence to go to them. They didn't think it was for them. Well, That's sad. It, cha- it changed, you know, Good. over the time that I was there and, you know, with the, with the whole Sanko team, we worked on it and it changed and it improved an awful lot. But, you know, you, you do need to be tracking that that kind of stuff it's massively it's part of that's that's you'll remember the school trip that you went on to that castle that time but you won't remember what you did in maths on that wet wednesday and in november no sorry maths teachers this is a good one love the subject oh yeah i mean it might have been the best math lesson in the entire universe and you're probably all fantastic teachers but you're more likely to remember the school trip to the planetarium yes and that's just and it's just how memory is and how teaching is Mm-hmm. And you just got to kind of, you know, take the one on the chin, really. That's mm-hmm. how it is. Um, so, on that note there, we have run over, as ever. But we've, brilliant. Yep. We have left it on a reasonably high note. Thank you for giving me your time on a... It's not raining here. It's a, it's a reasonably dry Saturday evening. Um, I'm now going to go and find out what set the fire alarm off. <laughs> Hopefully... Yeah. Hopefully, Hopefully I hope your kitchen and everything's okay up there. Oh, uh, we shall see. We shall see. Thank you for your time. I'm now going to. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. That's okay. Well, yeah, we need to we need to blog together at some point. Yeah, let's let's do that again. I'll email you about that this week. And uh... yeah, email me. Um, right. How am I? Do I press the right thing. I'm trying to like press the right button now to do a close thing. Amateur hour all the way. Have I pressed it? Is it playing? Yeah, Look at that. You've been out. listening to Teachers Thanks so Talk much. Radio. This has been uh, Eugene Padden and Katrina Lowry. TTRadio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.